Welcome to That We May Be One, a podcast aimed at sharing the stories and testimonies of our ward members to foster a greater sense of love and community. Hi, sisters. Welcome to our new podcast, That We May Be One. This is Amber Nelson. For our inaugural episode, we are featuring the testimony and life story of the amazing sister Becky Evans. She and her husband Gary have been in the ward for over 15 years as Sun City residents. Becky has been the company leader of the local Daughters of the Utah Pioneer chapter for many years, and she is currently a full-time caregiver for her husband in his battle with Parkinson's. Sister Evans' life story is an incredible one of miscarriage, divorce, starting a new life and career in California, experiencing the ups and downs of testimony, and even having her children kidnapped at one point. Her resilience is so inspiring. This interview was conducted at a Release Society activity by Nikki Steers and Rosa Allen. I hope you enjoy learning more about our beautiful Sister Evans. I was born in Logan, Utah. And when I was only two, we grew, uh, my dad got a job at Hill Air Force Base. And I don't know if you know where that is. But Hill Air Force Base is, a, in, well, it's Clearfield, Utah. I, I mean, it probably doesn't mean much to you, but it was a, it was a military base, uh, Air Force Base. And so that was right after, that was when we got into the war. I was born the year that they bombed Pearl Harbor. And so right after that, we got into the war. And so they, they made military bases all over the United States. So this military base, they, my father and my mother moved to the city where, or the little town where the military base was when I was two years old, okay? It was called Roy, Utah. And that's where I grew up. But we, when we moved there, we moved into a migrant uh, housing, and it was only a two-room house, and it had just like a living, well, it probably had a bathroom, so maybe three rooms, a bathroom, a living room, and a kitchen, and that was it, or a bedroom maybe. I don't know. Anyway, the houses were migrant cabins, and they were only used during a certain time of year when the cherries were on, because we had a lot of cherry orchards and apricots and stuff. When I was about maybe six years old, they took two more of the of the military cabins, or the not the military, but the migrant cabins, and they moved them into our our cabin, and so that made a bigger house. So they added on those. So where I that's where I grew up, and that's where I started school. My husband was in the first in kindergarten, the first, second, and third grade with me. And so, but when in the fourth grade, his family moved away. They moved up to North Ogden. So um, I went to the rest of elementary school, junior high, and high school in Roy. Yeah. I met my, my ex-husband uh, as a senior in high school. We were high school sweethearts. We got married like probably a year after, not right after high school, not right after we graduated, but about a year after we graduated, we got married. We got married in the Salt Lake Temple, and I had five pregnancies in six years, but I only ended up with three children. So that's and so when I married my ex-husband, we moved to a town called Plain City, where his parents lived, which isn't far from where I grew up. And um, then when when my oldest one was 18 months old, he drowned in a drainage, 
drainage ditch. And so I, um, I lost my oldest child. Mm. At the time I was pregnant with my second child. And, um, and then right after my second child, I had my third. <laughs> so they're only like a year apart, my, my boy and girl that's living now. Anyway, my uh, ex-husband got a job up in Wyoming and we moved up to Wyoming and that's where we were divorced. And um, then he came and took my children and actually kidnapped my children, took them back down to Utah and told me he wasn't bringing them back. So I was, I can't say I was forced, but you know, I had to move down to Utah to my mm -hmm. children back. I had to move in because uh, I went to a lawyer and he told me, he says, I can't represent you here, you know, go back to, go down to Utah and get your lawyer down there. So I went down there and he still wouldn't, um, wouldn't give my children back. And um, I went and saw a lawyer there and he said, would your situation change at all if you got your children back right now? And I said, well, he said, you'd still have to work, right? And I says, yeah. And he says, and we're, you know, would your housing change any? And I says, no. And he says, just leave them where they're at right now, and we'll we'll get them back when you you know when you can. When How old back. were they at this time? They were four and five years old. Okay, so in the meantime, I bought a home. I was able to buy a home on a government type of loan type of thing. I. Um, went to college, I got a job, I got my life together, and then I went and got my kids. About a month after I got my kids, I met Gary. I recognized him, but he didn't recognize me. I recognized him from the grade. I had third grade picture. Anyway, we, um, we hit it off right away. <laughs> he said I was the girl that chased him around in school, yes. smelled <laughs> like peanut butter. The whole school smelled like peanut butter. They had <laughs> they had those peanut butter energy balls that they would give all the kids, you know, were rolled in honey and peanut butter. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You probably didn't have I those. didn't have those. No. <laughs> we had those in school. <laughs> that was our treat in school and mm -hmm. made them to us. So anyway, yeah, the whole school smelled like peanut butter. <laughs> but anyway, I met Gary. A year after I met him, we were married, and he raised my children. I got my children back, of course, you know, after before I met Gary, and it's from there. So then Gary and I, we um, we lived in, at the time, my, my home that I bought was in North Ogden. And um, in the three years that Gary and I were together, he put in my yard, he built, built in my basement. My basement was unfinished basement, so he built bedrooms for the kids. We built a family room and a laundry room and a sewing room so we were able, we did a lot in the few years the first few years then we sold the house in North Ogden and moved to South Ogden and then at that time I wasn't working at hospitals anymore I was I had gone back to the Utah tailoring mill and was working in a, in a tailoring mill making women's clothing a long history huh <laughs> yeah. what, what were you doing in the hospitals I was a nurse aide at the hospital there, you know, in Utah. And when I when we came here to California, I um, we met we met some friends that were LDS, and she worked at Sutter Roseville Hospital, 
and she says I can I can probably get you a job you know at, at Sutter Rosedale she says I can't get you a job in nursing but she says I can I can because right now they're not hiring but she says would you be able you know would you be willing to take doing something else and then move into it and I says of course it was quite a culture shock moving here. Things were more expensive than Utah. Both of us working, you know, Gary and I both working to get our job. When we left, um, my son was married, you know, he, he was married. And my daughter was, had a boyfriend, you know, she, so when we left there, we left them there and came here. That was heartbreaking. I cried all the way across Nevada. My lap, my dog, my dog wouldn't go to the bathroom anywhere. I could tell she had to go. She was yeah. jumping all over my lap, and I was bawling, and Gary was trying to figure out what he could do with this, you know. So it was kind of a, <laughs> it was a heartbreaking move. So anyway, we started, um, Gary was working at the railroad. That's why we ended up here is because he got transferred with the railroad. You know, otherwise we'd still be in Utah. But they closed up the railroad in Nogden, and so we were forced to move here. And so um, I started working in the in the transportation department as a transporter. <laughs> and I had so many things happen to me. And I ran over my feet with gurneys and wheelchairs. <laughs> and I, I was I had bruises all up and down my legs. And my I had to go get cortisone in my hip trying to maneuver the yeah. gurneys yeah. around. And oh my gosh, I was 46 years old. I was you know too old to be doing that. Anyway, um, so as it turned out, my my supervisor asked me if I wanted to be a, if I wanted to be a supervisor. She, no, she was my director, is what she was. She asked me if I wanted to be a supervisor, and I, yes, and a, and a dispatcher to dispatch the transporters out. Oh, I took it in an instant. Yeah, much of easier on your body. That job, if it yeah. means sitting down and not yeah. moving gurneys around and stuff. So I was their supervisor for quite a while. And then they built the new hospital. And when they built the new hospital, they said, um, I never did go into nurse's aid or anything. I never did go. I just liked where I was, you know, and stayed where I was. And um, never went back to school. I planned on it, but I never did because, you know, things just didn't work yeah. out, you know for us in the whole scheme of things. But anyway, so um, when they built the new hospital, they took the transportation department away and they, they called them service partners, which they had to do transporting, dietary, delivering the trays and housekeeping. <laughs> but I was the supervisor, so I lost my job you know, doing that. So I went and took a couple of classes and became a unit secretary on the medical, on the med surgical floor. There's my husband, Gary. Hi. <laughs> Come on. Come on. He's talking to the bird. Here. Don't, Come don't here. get him excited. Okay. There you go. So anyway, when, um, when Gary, so Gary and I decided we, we saw the houses being built out here in Sun City, and there was no houses around us anywhere. I mean, Sun City was out here all by itself mm. back then. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we looked into it and decided to move. We lived up in Citrus Heights, so we decided to move out here, 
And when we moved out here, Gary retired first, and I was still working, and I still, I had to work Sundays. You know, hospitals don't ever close down, so I had to work Sundays, so I didn't go to church as much as I, I could have, you know. But I was, you know, I got involved in everything else, you know, in the, but I just couldn't go to, go to Sunday church. But anyway, one night, Gary said, just out of the blue, he said, um, I want to be sealed to you. And it kind of shocked me. I thought, okay, you know. And I had never, we had never gone that far to find out if I could get my, my sealing to my ex-husband canceled. We had never tried to find out if I could do that, you know. But we, I wrote a letter and I got our bishop to sign it and everything. Actually, our bishop sent it in. I didn't. He sent it in. He said he would do that. We went to the temple preparation class and um, we were sealed together. And I was able to get my other one canceled and everything. It, it upset my kids a little bit because they thought that they wouldn't be with me anymore. Yeah. Or, but we can, you know, we talked to him and convinced him that, yeah, he'll still be sealed from you, Mom. Anyway. Yeah, yeah thank difficult. you for sharing all that. Difficult, but yeah. That's quite a lifetime, huh? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my, my testimony was kind of challenged. It was like a roller coaster, you know. When I had the, all the miscarriages and I lost my child, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why, you know. And so, and then my, and then my ex-husband, when he started going out on me, cheating on me, and everything, and I mean, I think he had problems too with the whole losing the child sure. and everything. And and they always say that when you lose a child, it really, really is hard on a marriage, you know. And I don't know if. He was blaming me, or I was blaming him, or what the deal was, I don't know. Because the night it happened, we were both in the house, we were both home. What happened was we lived out on in the country, and they had taken out, I don't know, we lived on the corner, and they had taken out the sidewalk that came along this way and that way. They had taken it out and they'd put grass in there at some point in time, and you know, in the past. I guess our landlord or whoever, and it was the very last irrigation night of the year. It was late August, and it was the very last time that they. And when they when they irrigated, they cut they put in the head gates just up above our house, and and the water would spill over into our yard. It had come down where the sidewalk was, and then come down make like a little pool, you know. And all the kids in the neighborhood would come over and play in that, you know, in that water. And so our my son, he was 18 months old, and he was out playing with them. He was just in his diaper out there playing with them and everything. And what he did was he walked over to the edge of where the head gate was, and down he went underneath the, underneath the road. My neighbor across the street, she said she was ironing. You know, she said, I was ironing. I was standing right there. A sister-in-law that lived next door, she didn't see him go in, and she was watching her kids play, you know, because all the kids in the neighborhood yeah. were there. Nobody saw him go in, 
you know, I went out looking for him because I don't I, I don't know for what reason I went out looking for him and I had I asked the kids, you know, have you seen Brian? And they, no, he was right here. Everybody no, he was right here. Nobody none of the kids saw him either. How did you find him if he was under the road? Just instinct. Something told me he went in. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, because, I mean, everybody ran in the every. I went in the house thinking he came back in the back door. And I was looking everywhere and, you know, everybody, all the kids and everything was, you know, and it was, it was getting dark. It was this time of night, you know, and it was starting to get dark. I begged the little boys that lived across the street. I said, after we put the head gate in and stopped the water, I begged, them, and the water wasn't going through anymore, I begged them, you know, the little boys, to go through the culvert and see if, you know, because I thought maybe he might be lodged or something. I don't know why. I just said, please go in there, please, and they wouldn't. They were scared. By that time, the kids were scared, you know. I don't know. Something scared them about it, you know. So I went in, and I can tell you right now, those culverts are so slimy and everything from moths, you know, when they get wet and everything. I'm sure they dry out during the, when they're not irrigating, but nothing would ever get lodged in there. But they were irrigating down below, the fields down below, and I thought, well, if he's gone in here, he's down there. And that's where um, the husbands and everything in the neighborhood and everything, they went down there and that they, they were the ones that found them. And they wouldn't let me go down there. And then, of course, because it was out in the country, it took forever to get the, well, we didn't know, we never did get an ambulance down there. They met the ambulance, you know, halfway into town. Anyway, yeah, but at the time, I was pregnant and I didn't know it. I, I had no idea I was pregnant with my second boy. And then, you know, I was, you know, you, I was afraid that I would compare at the time, you know, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And I thought, if it's a boy, I'm going to compare. But there was no comparison. They didn't look alike at all. No, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I think God takes care of that. And then he he was only like three months old or something like that. And I got pregnant again. <laughs> That's when I had my daughter. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. My, my husband... He's the oldest of 14. 14? Yes. And they oh. had, I think, just a year, only oh. a year. Um, in, in Every year they she had yeah. a baby? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't, you know, I do church history, you know, yeah. uh, um, family history. And I cannot believe how many children they had. Oh, my gosh. My one great-great-grandfather... Uh, they had 16 children, wow. and she had four sets of twins. Oh, yeah. Even is that weird? <laughs> so weird. I thought it was weird. <laughs> wow. But anyway, um, I couldn't believe how many children that our ancestors had. That uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my husband, mother, they told me that she might not be able to have children because she had scoliosis and she had a surgery when she was like. 14 or 16, like really bad. Yeah, they were very wrong. Yes. <laughs> yes she was able to carry my daughter, my daughter-in-law is the second to 12 children. My mm. daughter-in-law. 
Yeah, that lives in Utah. Yeah. And they have, um, let's see, her mother, her mother and dad had um, 52 grandchildren and a hundred and something great-grandchildren. I mean, they had big families. So, you know, when, when, like I said, when I left, when we left Utah and came here to California and I cried all the way, I knew my son would be okay with all that family around him and everything, you know. And she was, my daughter-in-law was pregnant at the time, and I just thought, you know, they're going to be okay while mm -hmm. we go to California. We only planned on being here 15 years until we retired. But here we are, we're still here. We moved out here to Sun City and the, the uh, you know, our ward members out here, we had so many at one time, you know, since then they've, they've moved away or passed away, a lot have passed away. But we had a huge, we had about 30 people, you know, just, you know, just here in Sun City when we moved here. So it was just, we had a family home evening group that met every Monday night. It was so fun. I have a question for you. Okay. What's the best decision you ever made? Um, going back to church. See, when Gary and I were inactive, you know, we were inactive after, after we met each other, we were inactive for quite a while, you know, because of our situation before. You know, I was a little bit um, disillusioned with my first marriage and everything, and Gary was too, you know. I mean, we were, we had exes and we were trying to deal with them, and and then, you know, just, Utah is kind of different than California. You know, you grow up in the church, everybody around you is LDS and everything, and it's just, I don't know, it's it's just totally different, you know. And a lot of things happened in our life that we just were inactive. And so when we moved here to California and we thought, okay, what are we going to do now for the rest of our life? Let's go to church. And so, yeah, I think getting, uh, getting back in church was the best decision we ever made. And getting married, going to the temple. We love going to the temple. Now we can't do it, you know. How was your life different because you decided to go back to church and go to the temple? Oh my gosh, the blessings are so much better, you know. But, you know, it's my daughter and my son, of course, they were inactive because we were. So they didn't, you know, they didn't go into to this. My daughter works at the hospital too, by the way. So, um, so she has to work on Sundays all the time. So neither one of them are active at all. There was a time when my son got in in an accident, a deer hit him. He didn't hit the deer, a deer <laughs> hit him. And he broke his leg and him and his wife started going to church because the church members came in and they, you know, they brought food in and they came over and they were, I mean, they really, you know, uh, hovered around him and, you know, made him feel welcome and everything. So they started going to church a little bit. But since then they, they broke away again. You know, my daughter never, well, she kind of did. She was when she was married to her ex-husband. Him and her was going to temple preparation classes and stuff, and they were thinking about it. But then they got divorced. So I mean, things happen in their in your life that yeah. you know you you don't go to church. Mm -hmm. So um, what was I getting at? <laughs>
what was the best decision? I was asking, uh, I think you oh, answered how it. Affected us. Yeah, I think yeah. you said the blessings, the blessings of it all. Yeah, okay, okay, so back to uh, when Gary and I were going to the temple a lot, you know, and I was putting their names in the temple. They knew it. Uh, they both told me, I, I know you're putting our name in the temple. Mm. I know that we're being blessed because you and Gary are going to the temple. They knew it, you know, I mean, just deep down inside, you know, and every once in a while my daughter will get on something and say, Mom, you know what, I know that I don't go to church and everything, but I know that because you and Gary, you know, you know, went back to church and everything, that you're blessing us. Anyway, so, yeah. Did, uh, did I answer it okay? Yeah. So I have one last question before we, our time is up. So you can either answer, if you could, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Or you can answer, what would you like your legacy to be? I would like my legacy to be. I didn't like my 20s. I didn't like them. I don't know what I would say. My 20-year-old self, I don't think... I don't think you grow up till you're 30. I've often said that about everything, and I've noticed that with my children, my grandchildren. They don't, you go through motions. When you're in your 20s, you're going through motions of motherhood. You're, go, you're doing what you can do to raise your family and everything. Uh, I don't think, mentally, I don't think you're grown up. I don't. And uh, I don't know, I've just noticed that with my kids and my grandson. But anyway, so that answers that. My 20s weren't great. So I don't know what to tell myself. I don't, I don't know what would have made it any different than mm -hmm. it was. When I was married, I went to church, but my ex-husband didn't. He never, from the day we got married until we got divorced, he never went back to church. So um, so I went by myself. You know. My legacy, gosh. I hope that the work that I've been doing on on family history doesn't die with me. <laughs> you know, I would like my legacy to go on. I'd like my someone, and I don't know who it, who it would be. I don't know if it would be my children or my grandchildren, but I hope I hope that they take family history and continue it on. It, maybe it might maybe it won't be until my great-great-grandchildren or something. I don't know. I don't want it to die because it's been such a, a rich heritage. My, you know, my grandparents, my great-great-grandparents. So um, family history. Mm -hmm. mm. My family history, I want that to continue on. Yeah. Is that a legacy or? Yeah, uh, I would know? say so. I just don't want it to end. I've collected so much stuff. I've put so much stuff on family history and, and done so much work. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know what to do with it. I've got binders full of stuff. And I, I, it'll end up in a landfill somewhere. I don't know. I've put as much as I can on family history. You never know. You never know. No. Well, this was a lot of fun. I learned a <laughs> lot from you, and it was really great. Thank it was a blessing to be here and to hear your Thank story. You. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having us You're and welcome. for opening up and sharing, you know, everything. <laughs>
I was hoping it wouldn't be some of those other questions on there because I thought, oh, man, I don't know. Like mm -hmm. I said, my testimony waned back and forth. It was like a roller coaster, and that was, I don't know. I lost it for a while. I got it back, and, you know, and I yeah. think that happens with everybody. I do. I think it happens with everybody, and it's just my biggest fear is public speaking. I'd never be able to get up and and bear my testimony. I can do that in front of a few people. Yeah, I belong to the Daughters of the Utah Pioneers. And so we have we have meetings once a month, you know, out, the, out of nine months. We're on vacation right now, but we'll start again in September and we go all through the winter month. But anyway, um, once a month we have meetings and I'm the captain, so I can get up in, in our meetings and talk to, to them like I do with you and everything. I can give the lessons and stuff. I can't for the life of me get up and bear my testimony because I would cry through the whole thing. And I can't, nothing comes out when I cry, yeah. nothing at all. I mean, I get teary up and, and that's okay, but I would absolutely just sob. You know? And it's really private to me, really, really, my testimony is real private. I hope you enjoyed hearing some snippets from the life of Becky Evans. She and her husband often sit on the back row in sacrament meetings, so don't hesitate to reach out and say hi next time you see her. And thank you for your patience with me as I try out this new podcast and figure out the best way to handle all the audio and technical parts of it. Take care, sisters.